What's the matter, you? Hey, why you look so sad? Hey, what's the matter, you? Hey, shut up your face. Yes, hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another Around the World in 80 Drinks podcast, uh, a, a podcast that will improve your liquid lives with myself, Tom Sandham, one of the thinking drinkers, and that beautifully voiced thinking drinker, Ben McFarland. Hello, Ben. How are you? Ciao, Bella. Ciao, Bella. That should give you an idea where we're going. Yes, because today we're going to do a very, very nice special on the Negroni, because this is Negroni week. Would you believe it? All week from the 1st to the 7th of June, an entire week of Negronis. And uh, why would we Why would we devote an entire week to the Negroni, Ben? But I think because these days, why not? <laughs> because we're in lockdown and we need to do something. But also these are these are amazing salad days for the Negroni. And we have seen its rise and rise in bars around the country. People are drinking them, which strikes us as quite surprising. I would have thought it's um, it's a quite a challenging cocktail for people, but they've still been enjoying them. Even celebrities are making them. Don't know if Ben, you saw the Stanley Tucci yep. uh, bit of social media. He was caught shaking one up on social media. That went viral uh, in a good way, not like the virus. It went everywhere, um, and. He was shaking a Negroni, which has caused a bit of uproar with the bar community. Cause More was- than a bit of an uproar. <laughs> there were lots of bartenders in our uh, social media um, things getting very, very angry about it. But also, it's difficult to get angry with him because he's quite cool. He is. He's um, Still, it's served... On, in a rocks glass over rice, and he shook it up and served it straight up, which if you're not au fait with the cocktail terminology, that's no ice poured into a cocktail glass, or what we've come to many people call a martini glass. And it's quite a strong drink. It's served over rice for a reason. So we'd suggest you follow the original, not Stanley Tucci, no matter how cool he is or how good he has been in his films. And indeed, the three episodes he appeared in, everyone's favourite OCD TV detective, Monk, Ben. Was he in Monk? He was in Monk. He won an Emmy for his three appearances on Monk, which is, I love Monk, um, and I I don't remember him, so I have to go back and revisit the uh, canon. Well, Uh, I only only realised that, I think you told me this that the guy, the the, the dad who uh, from marvelous, the marvelous Miss Maisel, yes. is Monk, Monk. And, he's, yeah. and he is absolutely brilliant. Marvelous Miss Maisel, he is. he's he is. so funny. Um, so um, yeah, that's that's um, something completely different. It is. <laughs> Neither of them are necessarily related to the Negroni, which is what we wanted to focus on in this uh, in this little extra podcast we're doing for you this week. Uh, and when you get into learning about cocktails, it's usually an interesting story, and the Negroni is no different. It's a classic cocktail. That's what it's known as. It's, it means it's just means it's been around for ages, a century, in fact. It's been celebrated uh, a century old. It was a hundred years old last year, Ben, wasn't it? And um, yeah. We did a lot of stuff around it because of that. Um, and like all the classic cocktails, there's loads of uh, well, bullshit merchants laying claim to having having invented the Negroni. So there's loads of tall stories, tall tales, plenty of chinny recon. I'm chucking yeah, my billet. Chinny borrowed. Chinny borrowed. But it's fair to say it starts with the Campari. And the Campari is the essential ingredient. You'll see a Negroni on a menu as a gin drink, but it owes a lot to Campari. It's described as bitters. It's like an aperitif spirit. Aperitif, Ben, 
French word for dentures. Mm, nice. And um, it does taste a bit bitter, Campari, but it's actually quite sweet. They've got 68 different herbs, roots, fruits and spices in there. Uh, the sorts of things that people originally put into their drink to cure ailments, especially if they had uh, upset tummies. This was this was a sort Itchy of balls. Itchy balls. <laughs> um, uh, it was created by Gasparo. Gaspar or Gasper or Gaspari Campari in the 1860s in Milan. And at the time he was creating this, you had vermouths that were really popular in Turin. You had people like Antonio Campano with his vermouth and Cinsano brothers in Turin. Campari was Milan, so there's a bit of a rivalry. And eventually some bright spark decided to put the the Campari in with a Torino vermouth and we had the Torino Milano. So that's pretty much the start of the story. Uh, and then the crazy Americans, they didn't like it. It was too strong. So they added some soda water, and that was the Americano, which is a great drink. And then gin was added. And now, if you take as much interest in the drink as us, you'll have heard of a man called Count Camilo Negroni, mm. who put his gin into the Americano. He was um, he was coming back from life in America. He's sort of where he'd been apparently some sort of cool dude, cowboy out there and he was in the cafe Cassoni bar in florence in 1919 he shouted yee because he just got back from america and asked for uh, more booze in his drink and the bartender fosco scarcelli obliged uh, substituting the soda water from the americano for gin and there we go that's how the gin got in there there's other, lots of other Pretty accounts ballsy, it is, yeah. Also, I've, I know something about uh, Campari, which you may not. Um, that uh, Do you know how originally it got its striking red colour? I do, but tell the listeners. Okay. Well, it used to be, uh, it's no longer, so I just want to make that very clear. It used to come from carmine dye, and that is something that's made from the crushing of Cochineal insects. So they crushed these insects, got this dye out, and then would add it to the uh, add it to the liqueur. So the spirit, rather. And so you have you had sixty eight different ingredients, but one of them no longer is crushed insects. It's worth knowing. Yes, it's not. Yeah, it's a, it's all uh, it's veggie, veggie, veggie. It's vegan ha- friendly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, we're going to get some people on social media saying, well, that's what the story about the Count. And there was a, a, a suggestion that the Count Negroni didn't even exist at one stage, but I think they've managed to find him in the family tree somewhere along the way. And there are lots of other stories about it. But it doesn't really matter, does it, Ben? I don't think. No, no. Because it tastes really nice. That's what matters. You don't really care about who invented um, spaghetti bolognese, the first person to make a pizza, the first person to put a bit of tomato and fruit, which is a fruit, tomato. Yeah, but it pads it out a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, uh, so who cares about who invented it too much? But it is 100 years old if we go with the 1919 story. Uh, and I think for that reason, it deserves a bit of reverence. So I've had Negroni's Ben all over the place now. It's a, it's a cocktail you can have anywhere in the world. It goes on a on any menu of a decent cocktail bar. But I suppose some of the best Negroni's I've had would have been in, in Italy. Um, well, and you'd expect so. Yeah, I've been. I've been to Florence. Have, have you been to Florence? Have you had them? I have. I have, and I had a. Um, uh, I had a quite. A, I went there for a wedding, and I got there. Uh, I booked the flight on the wrong day, so I got there a, a day early and met up with some people. 
that were going to the wedding as well. And we drank lots of Negronis all day in this lovely, quite swanky rooftop bar um, with a swimming pool. And during the day, you can uh, swim in it. But about five o'clock, just as Negroni hour starts, they uh, close the pool, they rope the pool off, and everyone arrives and watches the sunset and drinks Negronis. But I'd been drinking Negronis all day. And I managed to get onto the uh, – and I'd, I, they told me to get out of the pool when they were closing the pool, but I was – which annoyed me at the time. So I actually got up onto the roof of this bar and having uh, – and then whilst all these kind of genos were drinking their nice Negronis and, and they're obviously very smart with their loafers and their sort of rolled-up trousers and shirts and sunglasses and that, I managed to jump off the roof into the pool in my in my sort of trunks and then got dragged out of there by the bouncers and uh, escorted from the building nice so um i wasn't i didn't quite capture the uh the negroni occasion in a way that you should yes. um but but they are wonderful wonderful drinks and um yeah uh, but they are quite strong I didn't realise at the time. I drink them all all day. Uh, Drink less, drink better business. Absolutely. I I, I went to Florence as well, but I went with my wife. Uh, We obviously went there to soak up some art, uh, check out the Raphaels. Boring. Michelangelo. Well, actually, as it turns out, I don't know if you noticed this, but Florence has got to be the the epitome of a tourist trap. I mean, it's just overrun with incessant... photographers it was awful uh, and actually the queues for the for the uh, the art galleries were monumental so uh, as neither of us we were just pretending to like the art uh, we didn't feel any pressure to stand in the queue so we actually went to some of the bars instead and enjoyed some of the negronis and the cafe cavalli as it's now called uh, the the cafe cassoni where it was invented changed to the giacosa cafe but then is now called the cafe cavalli because it's next door to the designer's sort of flagship shop we did go in there because i thought well i've got to make a pilgrimage to where this drink was made but um but actually um it was a bit, again a bit of a tourist trap so we just went to some of the smaller bars but everywhere around florence they serve great negronis and when they do it's a bit like spain where they serve up little aperitivo dishes so you can sit in there have a negroni and then they bring you over little plates of food um a bit like tapas in spain which reminded me then of that time we were in italian restaurant and we were eating aperitivo and you came out and said i just love the way the spanish do that with their tapas (laughs) i get confused yeah i'm so european tom that i don't distinguish between nations i don't know I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not as descriptive, you know, prescriptive as you. And so I think that was just a very uh, intelligent thing for me to say. Yeah. Um, but the Negroni, what I find with the Negroni is I think part of its success is it's come on off the back of the Aperol Spritz as well. The Aperol Spritz has been massive and that's really captured that Italian aperitivo moment. Uh, that kind of, and it's very, that's very easy to drink. But this is the next step up. So if you like an Aperol switch, Spritz, which is quite sweet, the next move up, if you're a discerning drinker, mm. is to go to the Negroni. Well, that's yeah. what I think. I agree. And if you if you can't go over to Florence in the near future, if the lockdown lets us go 
travel around the UK but not to uh, not abroad then stop in at the Connaught Hotel in um, in London and Ago Peroni there the bartender will make you one of the best Negronis you've ever tasted so get back out to the bars like Stanley you might need to have a go at doing it yourself at the moment but none of us are bartenders so um, when this is all finished go and have a Negroni made by a professional and uh, and you'll see what all the fuss is about uh, I guess we should make one now since we've done a podcast mm. on the Negroni um, I've got a, I've got a few ingredients to make one, Ben, and um, and you, you'll need to make this a big rocks glass with lots of ice and something to stir a glass to stir in uh, full of ice, and you'll need thirty milliliters of gin. Um, with a Negroni, I'll go with a big punchy gin, something with a high ABV, maybe like a, a Plymouth um, Navy strength or uh, uh, Martin Miller's export strength, something really big and punchy. Campari, obviously, uh, the new version with no bugs being killed in it. Get some Campari mm-hmm. in there and some sweet vermouth. We've mentioned cocky vermouth in this podcast before or um, Chazalette we used last week, I think, the week before. If you've got any of that knocking around, that goes in as well. 30 mil of that. And then you just pour them into the stirring ice, the stirring glass with ice, and you give it a, a bit of a stir, and then you strain into a rocks glass, which has got lots of ice in it already. And there you go. You put a nice orange slice of orange or an orange peel zest on there, and that's it. And the reason you've got all that ice in there is because it's probably going to dilute over the next... 20 minutes or so it takes you to drink that and that extra dilution helps to with some of the punchier flavors a fantastic cocktail isn't it ben it's fantastic i think it's proof that bitterness is back i think for a while the british palates was going sweeter and sweeter but now i think people are realizing that bitter bitter drinks like this are well, bittersweet really because if you put the sweet vermouth in there there's a wonderful balance there and it's a perfect thing to have before you have a meal it really gets your sal- sal- salivary glands going doesn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, really really lovely it's a fantastic cocktail and yeah. i mean it takes a while to get used to but like anything like any good album any good book anything in life if you get it straight away then it's probably not going to have a long lasting effect but if it it's, it's it's an acquired taste that is well 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 worth acquiring mm. There we go, folks. So that's the Negroni. Drinks lo- drink loads this week. You might as well. What else are you going to be doing? Um, but we will have a podcast as normal on Thursday. And uh, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, you might not know, but we have a very special wine episode, a very special suave uh, Frenchman in the form of Marcel Ducamp. So um, I'm going to be tasting with him the Tattinger or Tattinger, Brut Reserve non-vintage available at Waitrose for £28.50. And Ben, we're going to be comparing that to... The Jenkin Place, which is a beautiful Blanc de Blanc uh, wine from uh, a British uh, or English vineyard um, in Hampshire. And all the, where you can buy it and how much it costs is all detailed below this podcast. Yeah, so that's it. Join us with Marcel in that podcast on Thursday. Uh, if you enjoy the pod... Please subscribe and leave nice messages. Follow us on social. Say nice things about what you've been enjoying along with us. Taste with us. Enjoy the show. Spread the word. 
Cheers. 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 Cheers.